Officials are claiming that the United States will run out of avocados within three weeks if President Trump closes the U.S.-Mexico border, which is bad. But I think it's way more disconcerting that everything has to be explained to the public in avocados. There'll be a trade war. Families will be torn apart. Our national reputation will be damaged. Uh-huh. No guacamole. What? Impeach! <laughs> Uh, people are dumb, is what he's saying. The humble avocado. Delicious on a burger, in my opinion. I still don't know how to buy them properly. You want just a little give. Just a little give. Last time I bought one, I, it was too firm, I was told. It was useless, I was told. <laughs> I might as well have not even gone to the store, I was told. Hmm. Well. Because I don't know how to buy an avocado. These are things I didn't learn as a child. Right. <laughs> There weren't a lot, of, a lot of avocados in the upper Midwest in the 70s. I'd never come across one in my life until I, I was maybe like Maybe you'd seen a picture of one. Yeah. 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 Um, avocado. Delicious. So another woman has come forward. I don't know if that's the right. Uh, that's overstating it. To say come forward, it makes it sound like we're into the, uh, well, the various people that have been driven out of their jobs uh, or, or, or offices by women who've come forward over sexual allegations. This is all hair snippings and nose rubbings. Mm. A, a woman with a story yesterday that Joe Biden on the campaign trail once uh, grabbed her by the head, leaned forward, and they rubbed their, his nose on her. Uh, once again saying it didn't seem sexual, but it was weird and creepy. Right. Right. Super space invading. Now, a number of people who've been around Joe Biden for a long, long time... I mean, we've got a Mayor Pete story coming up in a second. Yeah. Joe Biden is 40 years older than Mayor Pete. Oh, boy. How's that even possible? They're both running for the same office. Time, Jack. Time. <laughs> it's just simple math, Jack. Right. Yeah, um, I don't understand your question. Uh, but anyway, uh, but so he's he's got a long history, as we keep saying, and a lot of women that have known him and worked with him are coming to his defense and saying, yeah, he does, but nobody feels threatened by it. And he's been a super champion of women forever. I heard Barbara Boxer saying that yesterday, former senator from California. Here you have Megan McCain. She's dumb as a post. Here you have Megan McCain, who is a Republican and loves attacking Democrats, coming to Joe Biden's defense yesterday. She on Monday jumped to defend Joe Biden, who's uh, been accused by a number of women of inappropriate touching. That's fair. But it's not sexual stuff. McCain called the rumored 2020 presidential hopeful one of the truly decent and compassionate men in all of American politics. He has helped me through my father's diagnosis, treatment, and ultimate passing more than any one of my father's friends combined. Uh, I wish there was more empathy from politicians, not less, about how he's so, you know, huggy and touchy and, you know, we're in this together and that whole thing. For some reason, when he says, we're in this together and I got your back, he's got to kiss your hair and <laughs> sniff you a little bit. Rub his nose on yours. Yeah. But. So, okay, so I think we've decided it's not a sexual thing. I don't think it is. Whether or not it's cool or not, my taking into the news of the last 24 hours, 24 hours ago, I thought he wouldn't last two days. I think he's going to be fine now, unless some new story comes out, some completely new level, not more nose rubbings and hair sniffings. Right. I think he's fine on this issue. If he was a man of the right, he'd be attacked uh, much more savagely by the mainstream media. Clearly, they would they would be making the case that, well, listen, if you allow men to invade your space like that, that's just gaining ground. Power that's the camel's balance. sniffing nose getting under the tent. And once you are forced 
to give up your personal space, that's when the gropings begin in the it's rest misogyny, of It's misogyny showing you can do this to any woman you want. Exactly. As you said, it's a power thing. By a white actually, ma- you know, well, right, an old white man, Biden, the hated race. Biden brought that on himself, the whole, because, see, it's a, it's a part of the race of white men, particularly. Yeah. Western to, uh, culture to is abuse raping. women. Yeah, it's just it's in our it's in our DNA, according to Joe Biden, which is th- maybe the worst thing I've ever heard a politician say. It's pretty horrific. Yeah, pretty horrific. Anyway, so old Pete Buttigieg Mayor mentioned Pete him early. Saw a long earlier. interview, another long interview with him yesterday. He is the class of the field. In what terms? In terms of running for president and having answers. He is so good. He's so. You know, the the old standard of the person who's most comfortable in their own skin almost always is the winner. Uh-huh. He is 100% comfortable with who he is. Well, you'll have to take a good look, Jack. Under his suit, you'll find a hammer and sickle tattoo, metaphorically speaking. His dad was a communist. Okay. You heard me. And is that disqualifying? Or? His father was a Marxist professor who spoke fondly of the communist manifesto. <laughs> Time period would that have been? Like father, like son, they say, Jack. Mm-hmm. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, Jack. Mm-hmm. Chip over the old block. Mm-hmm. And it's the communist block. Anything? Oh, the rarely heard double scary sounder. Anything acorn related you want to bring to the story? Yeah, I'm good. I'm full. <laughs> um, Joseph Buttigieg, who died in January at the age of 71, was a professor at Notre Dame, among other places, and a, an open and enthusiastic kind of a neo-Marxist. Um, what time period was he that, though? And the, the only reason I ask... Right, he's, he's been pretty active academically um, through the 2000s. Okay. Um, the only reason I ask is because I've, I've been doing a lot of reading. It's amazing the number of people that were either communists or very sympathetic to communism way back in the day because of capitalism was really struggling. You know, the depression and whatnot and everything mm. that came out of it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, a lot of people that I like that then made a rightward turn were communists for a while. Yeah. Yep. Or or at least sympathetic toward it. Here's the only part that worries me as a guy who loathes communism. I hate it so much. Any hint that Mayor Pizza communist? Or? Well, see, that's the thing. And this is what I'm getting to because mm-hmm. that's an excellent question. You know, I uh, my politics are fairly similar to my dad's, I guess. Although I don't, you know, I don't know. Conservative families tend to stay conservative and vice versa. Although usually people veer left as they go off to college and they're young and idealistic and the rest of it. Um, but here's the only part that worries me. Um, he was a devotee of the uh, Italian Marxist theory theorist Antonio Gramsci. Um who is all about applying Marxist theory to culture and cultural institutions. What's often referred to as the long march through the institutions. You've got to get Marxist ideology into film, media, and especially education. That's really interesting. So he was of the mind that, well, Marx and Lenin and the rest of them, and Mao certainly were, that you've got to get the young people and sway them toward communism. That is the key. Certainly has happened to in getting over colleges. Well, and one of the key tenets of communism or, or radical Islam or, you know, a, a number of ideologies is you don't admit to how radical your ideology is. You try to come off as a reasonable, listen, I, I lean left, of course, but, you know, they might even say I'm no communist. That's one of the strategies, communism, to get people slowly but surely to go along the long march 
um, through the institutions. And I don't, I don't know that Pete Buttigieg is um, like some part of the so you're communist calling Pete plot. Mayor, you're saying Mayor Pete's most likely a communist, I think, if I heard you correctly? Well, I don't know if he's part of a communist plot, but I think we can assume he is. <laughs> Well, and how much did the old man's theories rub off on him? I mean, he's obviously left-ish, although I'm also reminded of, I think it was Fortune magazine, yeah, I think so, uh, had the Democratic candidates ranked uh, most socialist to most free markety, and my recollection was he was on the second tier of free markety. Might have been the third, but that's of like seven or eight tiers. But he was closer to that than the socialist side. Uh, that's my recollection. Yeah, I can look I think, it up. I think that's what it was also. Yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, the sins of the father. How much do we care about that? Here's the interesting part to me. And this is one of the great head scratchers of history, those of us who study political science. If his dad was a Nazi, that would be disqualifying. Probably, yeah. Almost certainly. Unless he came out and disavowed it with such eloquence and and um an emotion that, uh, you know, brought a tear to the eye of the hardest man. You could if you were good at it. Your dad being a Nazi is why you're so staunchly anti-authoritarian now. Yes. If you're good at it. You could. You're right. You're right. Um, But, you know, as as we've mentioned more than once, Nazism, for all its horrors, and they are unmitigated, um, communism killed way more people during the 20th century than than Nazism. Wasn't Schwarzenegger's dad a Nazi? Arnold? I think he may have been. Something like that? Yeah. Of course, you know, it's so easy to judge from our time. Absolutely. People in the old times. Like the whole controversy over somebody or other. Oh, it was some good evening or what? Greetings. Sebastian Gorka, whose dad was part of an an order that was recognized by the Nazis. In the Balkans, during the period uh, immediately before and during World War II, you either aligned with the Soviets or you aligned with the Nazis. And God help you if your town were overrun by the other side, because everybody would get slaughtered. And the idea of not taking a side is hilariously naive at the time. So you got people who are, well, he was tied to the Nazis in those days. It's just it's just dumb. I'll tell you what, though. Mayor Pete's a good candidate. It's interesting to see him rise. He raised a ton of money. So I think he's going to jump into that that top tier. Just from money and recognition, mm-hmm. the 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 uh, the the cable shows are starting to catch on to him. You know the the left leaning cable shows that they that they they're looking for something. He's he just he seems authentic and genuine, which people like. He yeah. seems like a very decent person. I don't get the smarmy thing that I get from so many candidates that you're just you're just as completely phony. Right. I don't get that from Mayor Pete. Of course, that's not surprising from an Indianan. They don't right. tend to be phony. Right. Are you okay with the mayor of a small city being a medium-sized city being the president of the U.S.? Shouldn't he be a senator for a while or something? Why would it be? Why would he be less qualified than a than a U.S. senator? Why would a U.S. senator be qualified to be president? Tell me why. Yeah, I know. I agree with you a hundred percent. And we almost never vote for them for right? that very reason. But they run year yeah. after year after year because they all think they should be president. Right. You are listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Available right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty Extra Large featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. Grossmont Hospital, El Cajon, California. Ladies, you ever been naked there? Quite possibly a video out. If you're in a hospital, you've probably been unclothed. Well, particularly in this situation, but... Um, if you're a visitor, that'd be weird. Quite possible there are well, videos I don't know. of you. It depends. How long am I in there? So listen to this, and we're going to get more details on there. I'm going to give you the thumbnail sketch. We'll get into the details at a different time, possibly with the lawyer involved. So this hospital is having a problem because somebody who worked there was stealing propofol the stuff that oh, killed Michael Jackson. Right. The milk I like. The anesthesia <laughs> stuff to put you under. Was right. stealing it, probably hooked on it or selling it or whatever. Sure, yeah. Here's their brilliant idea on how to catch the thief. We'll install secret cameras in all the rooms that are motion activated. Oh, And then boy. just videotape everything that goes on in there. Oh, boy. C-sections exams oh boy people just standing around naked waiting for their doctor and even better yet not only we will just record all these we'll store them and a whole bunch of people have access to these videos anytime they want to look at them and we won't even keep track of who has access or who looked at them or what just kind of a free-for-all how do grown-ups come up with this i don't know (laughs) i don't know wouldn't anybody raise their hand and say is this legal can we do this? What about people's privacy? Even if it is legal, shouldn't it be like, I don't know, maybe one person that gets to look at these that we trust instead of just anybody can log on and say, man, I'd like to see her naked or something like that. Wow. Jeez. Wow. I know what we'll do. We'll install secret cameras in the rooms where they get undressed. Jeez, your C-section. That's, no. I mean, that's displaying everything to the world right there. Uh, yeah. Well, including your innards. Yeah. I don't want people seeing my innards. Maybe they're embarrassing. My innards I'm fine with. It's my outards that I don't want anybody to see and comment on. No comments in this section on my outards. My innards probably look similar to everybody else's. Well, having witnessed both, I'd say you'd rather have them see your C-section than your your standard uh, delivery. Oh, sure. Your Amazon two-day. But it's a kind of a private major moment in your life you probably don't want videotape of. Of course. That other people see. That's a stupid idea. What a moronic thing to do. This is all alleged, of course. You remember when you were a kid and assumed that uh, adults knew what they were doing? <laughs> you were wrong. <laughs> Boy, so much reaction uh, from our little featurette using clips of the uh, Death of Seattle uh, documentary, which we have a link to at armstrongandgetty.com. Um, and, and people from uh, beautiful Portland and... Um, and San Diego and, and all sorts of West Coast cities. Certainly, San Francisco makes Seattle look like Kansas City. Um, but got this note, uh, Brian, sadly from Seattle. Thanks for bringing up the uh, excellent piece on the insidious demise of a once remarkably wonderful community. Having been a lifetime, lifetime resident of the Seattle area, my commute into the city every day has become a journey akin to Dante's. Google it. Uh, the human catastrophe one witnesses along the highway or indeed encounters on the city streets is both heartbreaking and mind-numbing. This morning I asked a friend who is a Seattle uh, PD department veteran over over 20 years what he thought about the Como News special, and he said, if anything, the true situation is worse than that represented. He noted that violence has become so frequent that officers from other precincts and other agencies have to be called in regularly to help cover incidents. Detectives who haven't been on the street in 20 years are being given training to get them into service on the front lines of what's become a daily battle to preserve a semblance of order. 
Reversing course would be difficult, but with so much at risk, it's unlikely that people will simply abandon their communities for greener pastures. Uh, the rank and file of the SPD is another ballgame, Seattle Police Department. None of the officers see any reason to put themselves or their livelihood at risk by engaging the deranged or drug-addicted offenders that become more aggressive every day. Without the support of city government, the police are isolated and disenfranchised. This is what my wife ran into when she called the police because um, uh, a homeless guy was screaming at some Boy Scouts, and they didn't go after him. And then she later found out that they all have lawyers we go try to find him and talk to him. A lawyer's going to get on us about why you're harassing this person. and just Right. I heard some San Francisco cops talking about how so much crime has been decriminalized. And if you have somebody who is guilty of multiple crimes and you've got to confront them and go get them, you don't know if they have another outstanding warrant. Or not. Well, usually you would, but um, if you witness somebody committing a crime or whatever, you don't know how bad a person that is, or if you get a call to a break-in or a car burglary or whatever. So it might be a life-or-death uh, experience to try to apprehend them. And if nine times out of ten, the city fathers say, well, anything up to $900 of theft is not a serious crime anymore. Why in the world am I risking my life to apprehend somebody who's not going to be out tomorrow? They'll be out in an hour and a half. So, the law is breaking down. God, I'd say. Compassion without any discipline is chaos and ugliness. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Boy, a battle over Obamacare heating up on a number of fronts. We've got a woman, another woman, claiming that Virginia Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax raped her. She's going public. And NASA stepping up plans to colonize space in a big way. Coming up. All right. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. So there's some breaking news. We don't have the audio yet, but Ocasio-Cortez and somebody else got into it in a in a committee hearing over the security clearances. Sandy they're, Cortez. They're kind of yelling at each right. other, so we'll bring that to you ASAP. Oh, that's right. Plus, she said something real dumb. People like hearing that, Jack, so I'll bring it to you. She right. got them real tries. Oh, she got them. <laughs> she got them. Oh. <laughs> it's what I say about her pug, which makes my wife laugh. Oh, he's got them. Real tries. <laughs> Is Mick Jagger, so Mick Jagger's heart's gone south on him a little bit. Well, yeah, he's got to get a stent. And yeah. so they had to postpone the tour. Is Keith rooting for his death? <laughs> or is he hoping he gets better? So. I don't no. think so. No, I don't no. think he's rooting for his death. <laughs> I don't know. They've had their ups and downs. They have. Uh, news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, President Trump is saying, you know, he doesn't really mind waiting until after the 2020 election for Republicans to come up with a replacement for Obamacare. Sure, what's the hurry? Trump says the GOP... Everybody in America is doing great with the health care and the premiums and the, uh, the deductibles. and Everybody seems content to me. Trump says the GOP is developing a really great health care plan, but that a congressional vote will not be taken until Republicans hold the Senate and win back the House. Okay, so that's interesting. Like was, it used to be. Yeah, like you've had several times. Right, but, I get that but, you didn't have 60 votes in the Senate, and that's a big deal, but come on. Yeah, but they didn't Both have sides. they didn't have their act together to run through something through nope. to force the Senate to deal with it. Um... Uh, so when Trump said last week we're going to be the party of health care, right. and it looked like there was some movement, did he get talked out of that or rethink it? Or I've read that he got talked out of it. Uh, who knows? 
fellow Republicans made it clear to him that that would be explosive and controversial during this election cycle. Right. Has anybody noticed the election cycle never ends? Right. So one of my favorite things that Brett Baer says on Fox, which is the best news show on TV, he says regularly, it's always the next election. It's always, we'll deal with this after the next election, when right. we get this or right. we get that, right. and we just never get to it. Whether you're talking about Social Security or Medicare or immigration or this or whatever, just the next election after this election is when we're going to deal with it, and it never happens. Meanwhile, the American healthcare system is driving people into massive debt, causing folks to skip care for fear of bankruptcy. A new Gallup survey found that Americans borrowed eighty borrowed eighty eight billion dollars last year just to cover health care expenses. And one in four people went ahead and just avoided health care altogether. Mm. Eighty eight billion dollars. So uh, I got a number of texts on how the procedure went for my son. And it ended up getting put off till next week for a variety of reasons that aren't worth going into. But um, that procedure he's going to get is, I was told, will cost somewhere between thirty and $60,000. And wasn't sure if insurance was going to cover it. Thank God they did. Mm. They decided to. I was told by a, a number of experts that don't think they're going to. They probably won't. So wow. be prepared. But they did. And I... If 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 I if they had said no, we're not going to cover it for most people. You keep, what are you going to do? Your kid has to have this. It's sixty grand. What do you do? You do a gun fund, go fund me. You have a fundraiser. You mo- take out another mortgage on your house. You build do- every relative you have. The rest of it, or you right? You become one of those people Marshall right. was talking about. It's it's devastating. That reminds me, I should probably update everyone on my rash soon. I have a terribly uncomfortable rash and allergic reaction to penicillin. It's uh, it's in my, you're taking penicillin it's recreationally. It's in Central America, <laughs> if you will. Joe recreationally uses penicillin. Oh, he gets yeah. some sort of high off. Oh, of it. it's great. Oh boy. No, I just picture all those bacteria being killed, and brings me joy. <laughs> in her first interview about the alleged incident, one of the two men, a women rather, accusing Justin Fairfax of sexual assault told CBS This Morning co-host Gail King that she believes the now Virginia lieutenant governor preyed on her because he knew she'd been assaulted before. Meredith Watson telling King that That's Fairfax... Odd. sick. Wow. Fair, I didn't know that was a thing. Fairfax assaulted and raped her in 2000 when they were both students. They were both going to Duke University. She said the two were friends and that she had confided in him or with him about being allegedly assaulted by a Duke basketball player the year before. Wow. So, you know, this is all alleged, but so you're the kind of guy that a woman confides in you. Yeah, I was, I was raped by a guy in college and you think, ah, I could do that too. Or she kept her mouth shut. Yeah. Oh, is that what he's thinking? I I don't know. Wow. That is a twisted view of things. Jeez. Gail King asking her if she ever talked to Fairfax after the alleged assault. She claims she did. Some weeks later, she was at a party. He was at a party. She saw him. She leaves. He follows her, calling her name. She turns around and says, Why would you do that to me? And he said, I knew because of what happened to you last year that if I got you in the right situation, you would be too afraid to say or do anything about it. 
Wow, he went ahead and said that to her? Can I say something in terror? This an awful thing. Can I say something awful? Yeah. You're going to want to distance yourself from me. Okay. Consider myself distanced. So, like, I've seen... uh, I'll do a a preface. Uh, I've seen a lot of these women tell these stories, and I think I've said about all of them, she sounds incredibly believable to me. The hair sniffing woman with Biden. The the woman who talked about Kavanaugh. I believe she believed it. I don't think she was faking it up there. This woman, I watched the interview with Gail King. This one seemed phony to me. That's I realize that's unfair. That's not a court yeah. of law. It's got nothing to do with, you know, I'm just saying it's my own personal reaction. This one seemed like the phony I'm pretending to cry. All the other ones I've said sounded real because they did sound yeah, real to me. Yeah. This one sounded phony to me. Doesn't but, mean anything. Uh, right. But, this is not nearly conclusive but it was funny as she said that last part i thought gosh that reminds me of like a scene in a movie or even like in scooby-doo where the bad guy explains it all to the hero at the end i have no reason to stand up for the democratic lieutenant governor of virginia no I, he <laughs> I may care. well be rapey yeah, I, don't know. I don't care whether he says or go i just this is the first one i've heard where i thought i think she's fake crying here hmm. but you know you that know, makes me other- all- an awful person, I suppose, oh, for thinking clearly. that. Um, my other reaction was, uh, so they got Gail King listening to the uh, the big dramatic accusation of a celebrity at this point. Uh, shouldn't they give her a few weeks off after the Jussie Smollett debacle? Let somebody else do the interview. No, that was the uh, R. Kelly story. Oh, R. Kelly. Yes, yeah. yeah. Wait, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Robin did... Roberts was Jussie that Smollett. That was Robin Roberts. Yeah. Gail yeah. King stood there while R. Kelly waved his arms around like a loser. <laughs> yeah, well, that was not her fault. <laughs> no. No. All right, that's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm starting a Getty show, The Conscience of the Nation. And uh, by the by, anybody tempted to go with the old, well, black women all look the same to Joe Getty. No, it's that I don't give a damn about daytime TV. I think it's mostly stupid and I don't watch it. You're the Rolling Stones expert. If, If Mick Jagger dies... Is that the end of the Rolling Stones, or they can can they do like Grateful Dead, where their lead front man dies? You get John Mayer, and you keep on keeping on, and you're making gazillions of dollars. You're making more money than you've made since the '80s. Well, distinction: the Grateful Dead shared lead vocalist uh, duties. Bobby Ware's still around, so it's a little different. I mean, Mick it's is mostly so clearly John the front man. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I, no, that would be bizarre. I mean, no, Keith would go off who's to the play one with like his uh, other band. Who's the one like uh, Journey? Right? They just completely swapped out their front yeah, man. The Rolling right. Stones. They get a little Filipino they went shopping guy. for a miniature <laughs> right. Filipino, right? <laughs> Who sounds oh, just like him? Yeah. <laughs> no, he, he wears all the scarves oh. and everything too. No, I don't see. The, Here's the, the weird thing, particularly with the Rolling Stones, the way they've been recently. You could get a guy that sounds like a young Mick Jagger, and it would be a better concert. You're not Arguably. seeing Mick Jagger. Right. Which is part of it. I mean, the songs are great, but I'm not going to go see the world's greatest Rolling Stones cover band, you know, okay. in the same way I'd okay. go to see well, the Well, then by that right. argument, if it's about seeing them at some point when they're 90, can't play or sing, they're just sitting in chairs up there with right. music blasting through the speakers? <laughs> rocking in rocking, rocking chairs. Yeah. But I've seen them. It's actually them. Right. Okay. Well, I'd, I'm not sure I would, but... <laughs> You go see him play. Grateful Dead is completely hot again with a you know replacing their lead singer, co-lead singer, lead guitar player, lead guitarist. Yeah, yeah. Anywho, which story do we catch you up on next? Oh, uh, AOC's a ridiculous claim. A lot of people are making big noise about it. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not sure that's fair. We'll have to. What's uh, not fair? We'll have to argue about that. 
just came across this. What's not fair? It's fair. She got them real tries. Yeah. She got them. You got them. Why video games trigger a meltdown in your kid when you tell them they got to turn the game off? New science on that. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Available right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty Extra Large featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh, by the way, magician David Blaine facing sexual assault charges. We'll see if he can make these charges disappear. Huh? I don't get it. That's funny. I hope he didn't do it. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for the sarcastic left-handed compliment. Um, I hope he didn't do it. We'll see. So I got to admit, I'm kind of bothered by old AOC's manner. The uh, the girl you wish you hadn't started a conversation with from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> got kind of that adamant, half-informed overconfidence of youth thing going on. Is it her real estate eyes? Her realtor she, eyes? She got realtor eyes. Yeah, she got She got them realtor eyes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she got them. Oh. I can always tell by realtor eyes. Oh, wait, of course. Yeah. She got them. She got them. Uh, but uh, so... Uh, she was waxing uh, about the time in history when her party was the strongest during the Great Depression to World War One. She claimed that the 22nd Amendment, the you can only run twice for president, was ratified in order to prevent Roosevelt from running again, FDR. Um, of course, the problem is that um, the amendment was passed by a Republican Congress two years after FDR died and was uh, ratified six years after he died. And while it certainly had something to do with FDR, it certainly was not what she said. But, but you know her, what? But her point was okay. I mean, because I heard that first too, and I thought, okay, here's your opportunity to. She's so stupid. Beat her up, but um, a historian stepped forward to point out, and she uh, uh, linked to it that the the process for the Twenty Second Amendment started in '44 before FDR died. So they started the legislative process to do this, right? Because they didn't want FDR to be able to serve forever. It was and unquestionably a reaction to him. So it's not yeah. as on its face, you know, something to mock as, I don't know. On the other hand, her alarmist stuff about uh, climate change and what we must do to save the world in the United States is utterly divorced from reality. Utterly, completely, crazy time, Looney Tunes, locker up, divorced from reality. Um. And it's nuts to me that anybody's, you know, a devotee of that particular oddball religion. But on this one, yeah, this is an innocent mistake. So this is kind of interesting. But she does have realtor eyes. Uh, yes. This could be one of the stories of our times. This from the Wall Street Journal, and it's from a new column that they're going to have in the Wall Street Journal. Do tell. This is the debut debut of the Wall Street Journal's family and tech column. Oh, excuse me. A new nice. weekly feature examining the impact of technology on family life. Oh, We need this as much as we need anything. 
I would say, God, you talk about something that's being cried out for. It almost gives me chills because I got a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old, and I'm really concerned about this because we, we're we all groping. We don't know. Right. It's all so new and so damaging. Yeah. I mean, like life and death stuff. People are killing themselves. Young people are killing themselves at unbelievable rates because of this, and we don't quite have our heads wrapped around what's causing it. I think staying away from it is the best bet, if you can. Anyway, in this particular column, it is why video games trigger the nightly meltdown and how to how to help your child cope. Every night, parents around the globe fight a battle of wills when they tell their kids to power down their video game consoles to do homework, eat dinner, go to bed. Um, it's usually met with some serious uh, whining or complaining. In some cases, children yell, throw tantrums, slam doors. No one likes to be forced to stop having fun, but something unique appears to be going on here. You don't hear much about kids having meltdowns when they're told to stop playing Legos or a lot of other activities. So what's happening in that forced transition from gameplay to real life? Children and adolescents especially, but it's true for adults also, don't have the capability to stop doing a rewarding activity and move on to something less fun, neurologists say. Playing Legos and a lot of different things, drawing, coloring in your coloring book, whatever, or if you're an adult, you know, woodworking or something like that in the garage, mowing the lawn, whatever it is. It doesn't have the same reward system built into it to give you the dopamine hits that video games and social media does. That's why God gave us guilt, Jack. So shutting it down early. Guilt, the great motivator. Shutting it down earlier is, is a different thing for kids and adults. I think we all know that. What's happening in our brains is that there are systems that evolved to sustain our interest. It will lead you to seek food for days until you find it and not get bored with it or switch to something else. Right. But the difference is you seek food for days, you finally found it, you eat, you don't need to seek food anymore. Um, That's not the way they developed games. Pulling the plug in the middle of a video game before a child has had the chance to feel satisfied by completing a level or a mission is a bit like yanking yanking a half-eaten donut out of someone's hand who's hungry. (laughs) Wow, wait a minute. You can pull back a stump. It's the old saying goes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good luck trying to take a half-eaten donut from me. We're, we're fighting, and I ain't going down easy, because that's my donut. Uh, the anticipation of playing video games results in a 75% boost to baseline dopamine levels. Oh. Just the anticipation of playing the video game. That's a huge increase in your pleasure chemical. No wonder you want to do it. According to a psychology professor um, who's analyzed studies on gaming, that's far less than the boost associated with doing hard drugs, but it's higher than a donut, for instance, or something like that. And he uses the staying with the donut analogy, which I'm happy to do all day long. (laughs) Eating the donut is a finite act. I have proven that. Eh, One Depends how close you live to the store. Maybe two. But after two, you wish you'd never even done it, and you don't need to do it for quite some time. We economists call that diminishing returns, Jack. Video game makers build in a stream of intermittent rewards to keep people playing. In some games... I've noticed this with my kids. I don't play video games. I don't get video games, but they're starting to get into them. Mm-hmm. They got the old time, like Mario Brothers and, and stuff. Yeah. They got an old timey Nintendo that's hot right now. Good times. The graphics are awful. Um, but in a lot of games, there's no real end. It takes hours to achieve. There's just another level. There's another shot of dopamine, another shot of dopamine. Sure. With no end. They designed that. Did they know this at the time, even going back to the 80s? Uh, I would imagine. Because yeah. they knew this at Twitter, they knew this at Facebook. Mm hmm. Did they know it at Nintendo in 1980? Well, a bit of a tangent, but they know it in the snack food industry. 
that tantalizing bit of taste that you just, it vanishes off the tongue, though, so quickly, you're desperate for another hit of it. It's uh, very similar. So I watch video games, I don't play them. And so when I watch people play, my kids are, you know, friends when I was younger. Now, I got to the next level. For me, because I'm not playing, I get no dopamine for that. So it's just like, so freaking what? Right. How long are we going to do this? The next level of what? How long are we going to do this before we go do something fun? But they're playing, and it's designed a dopamine, dopamine shot, okay, starting to wane, dopamine shot, starting to wane, and it just just keeps you there, Mm -hmm. and we're designed that way. You kill off some sort of weird bear creature with fangs and wings, and yep, very rewarding. As a video game player, any comment? Uh, I'm not, I didn't didn't mean to say it in that tone of voice. No, 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 what what they knew and when they knew it, I don't know, but there was certainly a, a design choice by many games, especially the closer to modern that you get. Of, of kind of releasing these little morphine drips of of wow. checkpoint progression, right? Like yeah. there's there there's not very few games nowadays have the well you you get to the end you beat the boss and you save the princess and that's it, right? It's there there are these constantly evolving, right. ever growing, and that's on purpose, of course, right? And it, it creates their business, it, it changes their business models and allows them to charge for the same game as opposing to have to put out new games all the time. And, and how could I criticize you or anyone for playing video games if you're getting a seventy five percent increase in your dopamine just thinking about it? Wow. I mean, that is amazing. I won't have that much pleasure all day long. I was playing. A, I was playing a game yesterday, and during the the quote unquote the heat of the battle, right when it was all over, my my heart was racing. Like I got except like I sometimes I'm sweating. Right, like these there are physical manifestations of whatever I'm experiencing in this digital realm. I get that from trying to put on my shoes, racing yeah. heart. Yeah, yeah, very similar. Heavy breathing, <laughs> red face. Well, I got to keep an eye on my son for this. I mean, yeah, I don't want to be a. Uh, an ISIS member on this sort of technology, but <laughs> clearly is designed to abuse the way our brains work. And what condition does that leave your brain in? That's my question. Right. You are listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.